episode 115 of Shades Midweek, a podcast where we have conversations about theology, culture, and all things Shades. I am Brad Brown, joined in the studio today with one co-host. Who will it be? Who do you want it to be? Think about that. It's Jonathan Hafes. <laughs> wow. I really wish I could like have been a fly on the wall in a lot of people's cars or wherever they are right now to see what that vote was. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I really don't want to know. But I'm thoroughly impressed, Brad. You just did that, that intro in one take. And I'm so Why this, are you impressed, John? Listen, listen, I can be vulnerable. I can make a confession right here. Right before we started recording this, I asked Brad, I was like, you want to do the intro or you want me to do the intro? And then I followed it up with this snarky comment. I was like, basically I'm asking, do you want to have to do the intro once or multiple times? Implying that only I could do it in one take. Shame is a powerful motivator. Oh, my word. He's like, watch me do this in one take. And he did. He did, ladies and gentlemen. One take wonder. Bradford. Well, in Jonathan Hafe's defense, anytime there's an Instagram video that I do, know that that's probably been 16 takes (laughs) in the making. It's become more more of just a joke. A running joke. I think Brad could do everything in one take, but I think he's got a bad case of the yips. Uh, I think so. Um, It's gotten in his head. Exactly. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm glad to be back. Last week I was out due to COVID. Yes. Due to COVID meaning what, you had COVID? Correct. Because I didn't know about it. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So what happens is if one of the pastors goes out of town for whatever reason, inevitably another one of us gets sick. I don't I don't know what that is, but it's just built into the way the universe it's works. Just it's yeah, I I think it's the devil. Um, yep. So Jonathan went out of town on Sunday, and on Monday I tested positive for COVID. <laughs> uh, and to Brad's credit, so so I went out of town on my study week. I do this uh, annually, where I go away for a week, and it's uh, primarily studying for upcoming uh, future sermon series and things like that and kind of laying out on the calendar where we're headed, but also do like some big picture brainstorming. And it's, I think it's a really annoying experience for Brad and John Mark, honestly, because I come back and I'm like, I have 50 ideas. And they're like, oh my gosh, this sounds really tiring. <laughs> um, but, uh, but so that's what I go and do. And going to do this one, uh, this was the first time Holly uh, got to go with me. That's right. Um, and, uh, so I, I took one of the ways I took advantage of that was I literally turned my phone off. Yep. Like it was off. That's cool. All Love that. Week long. Yeah. And uh, and I told Brad and John Mark, I'm like, obviously you can still get me if there's a if there's a real emergency. I was like, you can call Holly. Um, but they didn't even call Holly to tell her that Brad had COVID. <laughs> no, because we knew she would tell you. But fortunately, the symptoms were mild and. Colin Hansen graciously filled in the pulpit on Sunday, gave a beautiful sermon about church unity. You know, I love how uh, how that fact is is completely lost on Shades Valley, like uh, like us as a body. The fact that we just called Colin Hansen and we're just like, "Hey, can you come fill in?" and he was like, "Sure," and just showed up and did that. So here's let me explain why this is lost on you, on, on all of us. Yeah. I got a. Uh, I got a text message on Saturday, Saturday when I turned my phone back on from mm-hmm. a pastor friend of mine in Florida. And he said, is Colin Hansen preaching at your church on Sunday? <laughs> and I just laughed. And by this point, I knew and I knew what was going on. 
And I was like, yeah, how in the world did you find that out? <laughs> and he's like, he just posted about it on Facebook. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. He and, did. And here's what people, what, what at Shades Valley, what we take for granted right here. So Colin Hansen is the vice president and editor-in-chief of the Gospel Coalition. That's right. Which is a worldwide recognized evangelical uh, online entity. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the the reach of the Gospel Coalition is insane. Mm-hmm. It's huge, and and Colin knows. I mean, you think of any of the the big name people or whatever evangelical you know, famous. Yeah, he knows all of them, and like yeah. runs in those circles and all of that. But he just happens to live in Birmingham. Yep. And over the past few years, like we've just gotten to become friends, and so like for I mean, he's been here on the podcast, right? Yep. Um. And he hosts his own podcast that probably has like tens of thousands of listeners and all of that stuff. And he comes on ours because um, he's just a friend and he's, he's become yeah. that to us over, over time. He's just totally. Colin. Uh, but to a lot of other people, like he, he's a big deal. Like his name is, I'm not saying he's not a big deal. I'm just saying like to us, he's a normal person. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, but, we have a lot of great resources in Birmingham. Yeah, so it's just it's really it's really funny to me. I'm like, you know, that my friend was freaking out <laughs> over the fact that Colin Hans was going to preach at my church. Like he texts me afterwards. He's like, "Was it packed?" <laughs> and I'm just like, "Bro, like sell out crowd. Like 75 percent of my congregation doesn't even know who Colin Hanson no is. No idea. <laughs> and no idea. No he's idea just that he's as dude. well known as he is. That's oh, right. It's just funny." It's just fun. That's great. Well, but, we're all here and we're healthy, and I think we need to dive right into in today's episode. Should we say where John Mark is? Should we? I mean, it's, it's yeah. I think yeah. He's yeah. Uh, it's not confidential or no, anything. No, it's not. He's uh he's playing drums actually. His first love. That's right. Um. Yep. So he's uh he's at a summer camp at uh at a youth camp. I I think it's the one he did last year. Yeah, as and well. I think he's with Two Shades members, uh, Andrew Thompson and Joseph Wonski. I didn't know Andrew was there. I knew Joseph was there. And, I could be wrong, but I think that's the case. And then uh, former uh, Shades connoisseur. And, that's right. And uh, member of the Shades Worship Collective, Jeremy yep. Moore. Jeremy Moore's there too. So yeah, those yeah. guys are great. there. Um. And so, uh, yeah, that's why we're flying so That's why he's out. Yeah, so what are we going to do for an album of the week this week? James I wonder what we're going to do. Album of the week. We, uh, we need to re-record a version James of that that's like says J.H.'s album of the week or something. I don't know. Anyway, here's what we're going to do. Are the two sure things in life And it's a filthy pattern When we come to realize They were right Maybe that's why we're screaming on the interstate They say when life Maybe that's why we're screaming on the interstate I love well, it. I for love Jonathan, it. for those who don't know, who are we listening to? This is a, a band that I love and have for years, known as Judah and the Lion. Oh. Oh, this, this here comes the chorus. This planet tends to get 
was me. My now goodness. is this a new album or this is this is a brand new okay. album so so um the uh uh judah and the lion here i'll turn it off um judah <laughs> judah and the lion uh they've been around for a little while now they formed at belmont i believe okay um and we're kind of like uh, a part of the indie folk revival if you will like uh-huh. mandolin banjo that kind of thing um and love their early stuff, and they still do all of that, but they've definitely expanded their sound over the years and such. Um, but they're uh, believers. Uh, their music is explicitly uh, Christian on many, many fronts. Um, Judah actually himself, their lead singer, put out a, a worship kind of EP thing this past year. But oh, this wow. is this just released, I think, last week. And okay. The, the album is called Revival. Uh, by mm. Judah and the Lion, and I—I I don't know. I've—I've I've loved them for years, and maybe I'm partial because uh, the first time I ever saw them in concert was at Samford, actually. Oh yeah, they came to do a uh, uh, what? What's the, like their big back to school that your school, your city? Yeah, thing event. I think our very own Danny Delgado was in charge. That's of the right. event That year. That's right. And Look so, at shades. Yeah, and so he—he's the one who got me in. Uh, and when Judah and the Lion played, Levi was a little boy, uh, and he was on my shoulders for like the whole show, and it rained, and it was epic. We were just dancing around That's in fun. the rain to Judah and the Lion playing. That's was, a fun memory. It was it was a lot of fun. But I love their stuff. I've been listening to this album this past week. Um, Judah's a fantastic songwriter, uh, lyricist, and yeah, I'm I'm really digging on it. So check That's it out. Cool. Revival by Judah and the Lion. Good stuff, good stuff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Bradford's Book Club. Today, I am recommending a book that I can't remember whether or not I've recommended before. I was asking you that before we started. I am too lazy to go back and check (laughs) the episodes to see if I have. But, you know, I was thinking about it, and even if I have recommended this book before, I think this book is worthy of a double recommendation. It's a book that's one of my favorites. It's a Christian classic. Don't you think that's fair to say, Jonathan? I think that's totally fair to say. I think it's fair to say. Christian classic. And the title is Life Together, the classic exploration of Christian community by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. 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 And if you haven't read this book before, you need to. Shame on you if you haven't. And... It is a beautiful book about Christian community, and Bonhoeffer just has some lines that just hit you in a a profound and beautiful way. 
Well, and I, I think one of the things that's really powerful about this book is to give people the context from which it was written in. For those mm-hmm. of you who don't know who Bonhoeffer was, uh, Bonhoeffer ended up being a part of a resistant move, resistance movement in Germany that's right. during World War II uh, and ended up being a part of a plot to assassinate Hitler, which is really interesting in light of his pacifist beliefs. Yep. Um, but during uh, the reign of Nazi Germany, um, when when uh, legitimate Christianity was outlawed and replaced by a state Nazified church, yep. uh, Bonhoeffer was part of an underground movement. The um, Confessing Church? Is yeah, that they it? called it the Confessing Church. And he was mm. part of an underground seminary during that time and the people who would come in to that seminary lived yep. together lived together ate together yes and so this is that study together that's the context out of together. which he writes about this idea of life together yeah. and what that should look like as christians yeah it's an honest look at christian community at it, the beauty of it at the challenges of it and for anyone who commits themselves to a church i can't help but think that you will profit from it One of the lines that he says that's my favorite is this. He says, he who loves his dream of a community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter, even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial. So what Bonhoeffer is saying there is if I enter into Shades Valley Community Church and I go, you know, if only Shades would blank... If only Jonathan were a little different. If only so-and-so wasn't here. If only we had this. What Bonhoeffer says is that kind of visionary dreaming or that kind of fantasizing actually prohibits you from loving the community as it is, which is how Christ loves us. And it prevents you from entering into the community as it is. And it actually puts you in a fantasy world which isn't reality, so it prevents you from living in reality. So, I mean, that's just a sentence that you can sit and contemplate on and and talk about. So I would encourage, you know, this is a great book to read with a community group because he can be dense at times, and sometimes you might need others to help you unpack what he's saying. Sure, yeah, but it's not not a long book, though. It's not. No, 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 Um, no. I mean, is it even 100 pages, maybe? Um, Yeah, just over 100 pages. Yeah, it's a real real thin book. read but definitely worth your time yep. and investment and yeah. and Doug Abernathy if you're listening there might even be a good audio version I don't know that's right yeah check it out maybe it's free with the public library <laughs> so oh well there we have it well that is an excellent recommendation no matter how many times you give it yes well Jonathan I wanted to recommend it because of the subject matter that we're going to be discussing today on the podcast. Yes, before we do that, I do need to acknowledge the fact that we have received several emails. Mm. Um, so if you if you are the sender of one of those, I want you to know it has been received very appreciatively. But That's right. We're due, not ignoring it. Due to the nature of those emails, we are going to wait for John Mark to be back uh, because we know that he will want to participate in the reading of those. That's right. We're um, concerned about his feelings. That's, that's true. So anyway, just wanted you to know they're not being ignored. All right, but yes, life together, uh, very pertinent to the subject matter we're going to talk about today, which is uh, a pastor fact, 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 <laughs> a pastor fact. 
an FAQ, a frequently asked question. This is these are episodes we do sometimes, uh, randomly about questions that we get asked a lot as a pastor. And the uh, subject we're going to talk about today is church membership, which is something we get asked about a lot in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, why be a part of a church? officially as a member is church membership even biblical why is it a big deal we can ask these kinds of questions all the time and we it's funny you know i think it was i think i was in college it was the first time that i heard someone make that argument that uh if you go back and read the new testament and look at it in detail that you'll actually find that membership wasn't something that existed a formal membership and so therefore any church that has members now today is not practicing what the early church practiced. Right. Well, there and there's a number of problems with that argument. <laughs> that we could get into. And we will get into yeah. some of them anyway. But you just saying that brought that to mind. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about this for a number of reasons. Uh, one, we actually recorded this episode months and months and months ago. Um, the whole thing. The whole thing. It was after I did a sermon in which it was early in the Sermon on the Mount series. Uh, and I made some comments about church membership. And as a result, I was like, oh, we should follow that up with a midweek episode. And we recorded it and we lost it. <laughs> um, which I think it sounds like that happens more often than it does. It's probably only happened like four That's true. Times. Yeah, we're just real dramatic about it. But anyway, so we've been wanting to re-record it for a while. And we thought on the heels of Colin's sermon on Sunday, this would be a perfect time to do so. You know, especially since Brad and I were both not here for Colin's sermon. <laughs> That's right. I did listen to it, though. Yes, yes, we did. And and for those of you that weren't here, definitely go listen to it. Yep. Um, but Colin spoke from 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 is a passage that uh, you're probably familiar with. We've preached on it here before mm-hmm. at Shades. But it's where Paul, the Apostle Paul, makes uh, a comparison. He gives a metaphor of what the church is to be like, and he compares it to a body, and uh, a, a physical body. And, and the body, your physical body is made up of many different members. You have feet and hands and eyes and ears and nose and all of these things. He says, so also is the body of Christ. Each of us are different and yet unified in this one body. And the comparison he's making is that the Spirit manifest himself in our lives in different ways through gifting us in different things and we need all of those gifts to work together for the overarching health of the body of Christ the church and so mm-hmm. Colin uh, did uh, a great job just walking through that passage and, and highlighting some things uh, in a very uh, pertinent way yeah. to, I think the the moment that we uh, the Western church particularly are in mm-hmm but yeah so in light of all of that uh, we'll take it one step further and talk about church membership. And really, I do want to focus in on two primary questions. Uh, and that is, you know, is church membership biblical? The question that you were poking at just a yep. second ago, Brad. And mm-hmm. then why is church membership a big deal? Yeah, who cares? Right. And so I go to church. <laughs> right. Um, why do and, I need to be a member? And most of what I'm going to say was What's the difference. <laughs> Sorry. Do you have more? <laughs> Most, I'm just trying to build up some of the tension. You know, <laughs> some people would say that church membership isn't a sexy topic, and so what? Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm trying to bring in some conflict. Well, for those of you who do think it's a sexy topic. <laughs> Um, most of what I'm going to say, I did say in a sermon back in January of 2021. 
Which we all remember. Yes, everybody. Uh, we did a series called Family Meals. And if you go back somewhere in January of that year, uh, one of those sermons is called uh, Family Meals. I think it's I think it's literally called Membership or something like that. Mm-hmm. But so if you want more, even more, even more details, that's right. You can come back there. But I'm <laughs> pretty much going to be working from the outline of what I had to say that Sunday. So I have throughout time made a couple of uh, provocative or audacious statements. You, Jonathan, uh, about uh, church membership. So, for instance, during the uh, Sermon on the Mount uh, message that originally prompted us to do this midweek episode. It was on the one about us being salt and light, where Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made a statement that we, the local church, can only be salt and light as a we. Hmm. You know, um, And it, most of us, I think, grew up thinking of salt and light, that idea of us being a witness in the world, in very individualistic terms. Yep. You know, and I'm making this argument that Jesus is giving this instruction to a new community, and it's only possible for us to actually pull off that kind of witness, the witness he's calling us to be, as a community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is actually the consistent witness of the New Testament, uh, this, uh, th- that we can only accomplish our purpose and our calling as uh, the people of God in, as a people. <laughs> As the church, and and that's not just uh, that the New Testament when it when it talks about this, it isn't primarily talking about the global church. It's talking about the localized body of believers. That's where the emphasis falls again and again and again, because you know pe- people want to talk about um, people will make an excuse for kind of an individualistic approach to Christianity by saying, "Oh, I am a part of the church," and by that they mean the church global. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just not a part of this whole thing, the church local yeah kind of thing and the comparison i made uh i've made on multiple occasions that's like saying i'm a part of the nba the organization but i'm not on a team and i mean like it it contradicts Mm. itself you know it's it's being a part of the smaller thing that includes you in the larger not the other way uh around yeah and um so we'll we'll dive into that a little bit more but these are some of the things i've talked about before um concerning membership and yeah. its importance. And I'm not the only one that has made such provocative statements before. You're not alone. You can go throughout church history. Hmm. Um, so the, uh, the early church father, St. Cyprian, hmm. who lived in the 3rd century A.D., uh, famously made the statement, no one can have God as father who doesn't have the church as mother. Hmm. Uh, He's basically saying there's no salvation outside the church. Like you've you've got to be a part of this thing called the church. Uh, you you look at the church in medieval times and uh, the look at the way they celebrated Mother's Day. Not Mother's Day like you think of it now. All right, that's that's a modern holiday, but there was actually a legit church calendar Sunday called. It was actually called Mothering Sunday, mm. and what Mothering Sunday was about was you returned to the church where you became a believer or where you were confirmed as a believer, where you were baptized as a believer. And it was a celebration of mother church of, of, you know, um, Hmm. and so like this has been an emphasis throughout church history. And I think it's an emphasis rightly. So because it's an emphasis, I believe from scripture itself. Yeah. 
So, Jonathan, if this is something that's been emphasized not only throughout church history, but also in the scriptures, if we go and look at it, why do you think it is that we have, use a fancy word, bifurcated or divided our individual Christianity from the context of the local church? Why is it that we can have this conception of what it means to be a Christian or what it means to be a disciple or what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and that can just be totally divorced from membership to a local church? To fully answer that question probably goes outside the, the scope of this podcast episode. It needs its own dedication. You're basically asking, you know, why has the concept of the modern self and individualism emerged the way it has, uh, which is a lot bigger conversation than just within the church that has to do with uh you know the the philosophical movement of the enlightenment and the fallout yeah. thereof and yada yada, yada. that's why we're here Jonathan. you just want me to go into all of the things <laughs> <laughs> well there was a guy named rene descartes let's talk about the cartesian uh revolution and then Immanuel <laughs> kant and no 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 um yeah. the short yeah but to condense it yeah the, the short answer uh is that individualism mm-hmm. uh is a value of uh, modern society, of post-Enlightenment society. So the Enlightenment was a hmm. philosophical movement that started over in Europe in the, oh goodness, uh, Immanuel Kant would have been in the 1700s, 1700s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and basically it shifted the entire way that the West thought about the world, the self, truth, authority it just hmm. it took all of the prior existing philosophical foundations for life and deconstructed them to use a modern word mm-hmm. deconstructed all of them destroyed all of them and kind of started over so i jokingly uh, okay. mentioned rene descartes and the cartesian revolution so to oversimplify it descartes set mm-hmm. out to doubt everything that he could doubt he wanted to find what is the foundational thing that cannot be doubted how and, can i know anything that yes, sort of thing. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's an epistemological thing and so and so what he got down to was the only thing i cannot doubt is my own existence and that's because mm-hmm. i'm a thinking person mm-hmm. uh I, i'm having these thoughts about doubting and so i've got i've got to exist and therefore you come up with his maxim that everybody knows i, I think, think Therefore, I am because I'm thinking being I exist. Mm -hmm. Well, so what that does, though, for Descartes is that means the ultimate source of authority is the human mind and rationality and Mm. all other sources of authority, like, say, something like scripture and divine revelation. All of that's got to be subjected to that. So you have these huge shifts going on in thought. Uh, At the same time, you have the rise of uh, uh, materialism and and the explosion of scientific discovery. And you've got the explosion of uh, Darwin and his uh, uh, theory of evolution. And Mm -hmm. I mean, so you just have all of these former foundations of the way people thought about life in the world just falling apart and being rebuilt. Mm. And, And one of the things that uh, comes along with the way those things are getting rebuilt is the elevation of the individual. Because if mm. the ultimate authority in my life is me and yeah. my mind and my rational thought, yep. um, I, I've put myself at the top of the pecking order, the top of the food chain, and everything else bows to that. Yep. And and so I begin to value the individual mm-hmm. uh, over the communal. That's not entirely a bad thing. I am a very big believer in individual rights. Um, I do value the individual. There, there's, there's good in that. Uh-huh. Um, 
but there are also consequences. Mm-hmm. Ideas have consequences. Yeah. Um, and so what ends up happening as the as all of these ideas kind of take over and take hold within Western thought um, is the individual supersedes everything, and that mm-hmm. affects the way that, – that becomes the water that all of us are swimming in. Kind of the lenses through which we see everything. Yes. We're and not so even thinking about it. Not even thinking about it. And yeah. so naturally it becomes the lens through which also – Christians begin to view their Christianity because it becomes the lens through which Westerners view religion, period. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so religion becomes a privatized thing. Yeah. And it becomes an individualistic thing. Yeah. It's just about me and, and what I think. And and that affects mm-hmm. everything, including um, the way we approach Christianity. So yeah. uh, just to, to give some real practicals on the way this um, manifested itself for me growing up. Yeah. In my youth group, uh, I would be told things like, uh, the Bible is God's personal love letter to you, um, which is not an accurate way of describing what the Bible is. It may be illustrating a truth that uh, the Bible is communicating God's love, and it mm-hmm. is meant for me, and I'm involved in it, but the Bible, at the end of the day, is a book about God, a revelation of him, who he is, and what he has done to save a people. Mm-hmm. unto himself it's it's a communal book mm-hmm. um the most important measure of your spirituality and your relationship with jesus uh that w- that was communicated to me growing up was uh is your quiet time it's you and jesus alone mm-hmm. and that's the most important measure of your spirituality it has nothing to do with the church with church community it has nothing to do with the means of grace and community of receiving of communion of baptism of uh, hearing the preached word of singing the word it has nothing to do with that it's yeah. just you and Jesus I attended a summer camp that was called summer jam jam stood for Jesus and me yeah you know and and even the rise of the modern testimony and how a lot of our modern testimony you can feel like you have to explain things that happen to you outside of the context of the kind of ordinary means of the church. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. what's special? What's unique? How right. did you make it your own? That kind of thing. Yeah. There can, there can be a pressure to do that. Right. Absolutely. And so any one of these things by themselves isn't necessarily a horrible thing. And there are good right. elements to them. There's right. good elements to a testimony. There's good elements to a quiet time. There's good, yeah. you know, all of these things. Of course. But you can see collectively where the emphasis is beginning to lie. Yeah. You know, and... Well, and two other things that come to mind, too, within the world of the church is the rise of parachurch ministries, which I am not anti-parachurch ministry right, in any way, right. shape, or form. But you begin to have these organizations that pop outside the church that people become involved in. And then I just think uh, Christian events, Christian concerts, and then I think the internet with all the teaching that's available, all the courses that are available, even now online groups that are available. And so it's just another, these are all other avenues in which people can connect to others and form a Christian identity and have Christian teachers and authority that's all outside of the confines of the local church. Right. Once well, again, not all bad, but contributes right. to what we're talking to where you can have this individual Christian identity and you're not a member of a church and it right. makes sense in the modern mind. Right. To bring it back to your Bonhoeffer quote, um, where Bonhoeffer talks about like if you have your own vision of Christian community, 
Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to end up doing harm to the community. If you love that individualized version in your head of what Christian community is, you're going to end up doing more harm to the community that you're a part of than you actually are going to actually love that community. Yeah. Well, to take it one step further, it's now more possible than ever to actually create your idealistic vision of quote-unquote Christian community or Christianity than ever before. Because what I can do now, I can imagine what the perfect Christian church experience, whatever, looks like in my head, mm-hmm. and I can piece the meal that together. I can get my sermon from the preacher I want to via yeah. podcast. I can get my worship music from the band that I want to. Mm-hmm. I can find my online quote-unquote community group that yep. I feel like fits me. Like sure. I can... I can literally piecemeal together yep. like a Christian experience that suits me yeah. and fits me. Even serving, like not to say it's a bad thing once again, right. but like I can serve through this organization. That's how I'm living on mission is right. through this group. Well, and, and here's the problem with that. The problem with that is that never uh, doing life that way mm-hmm. never requires you to uh have to submit to anyone else have to uh work through hard stuff with anyone else mm. uh have to um deal with annoying people uh have to like mm-hmm. like it like so to, to to flip this a little bit so let's imagine uh that my family at home let's imagine I could experience family life that way so I could piecemeal together my thoughts of what the perfect wife is. Holly's going to love this. Oh, she's going to love it. (laughs) So whether that's like I can piecemeal together, like uh, here's what I think the perfect woman looks like. Here's what Mm. I think her voice sounds like. Here's how I think she responds to me when I uh, go play golf. That's a Brad thing, not a me thing. Here's (laughs) how I think blah, 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 you know, whatever. Here's uh, what I think the perfect kids are like. And let's imagine I could put that experience together digitally. Is that real family? No. Right. <laughs> no, it's is that real marriage? No. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. And it's never going to require of you what real family and marriage will, which is hard. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because real marriage and real family doesn't just cater to me and what I want. It confronts me yeah. with my own junk. Yeah. Uh, and I actually have to be conformed to 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 uh, contribute to this thing and to, to, in any healthy kind of way, right? So yeah, totally. I hope what I'm saying makes sense. Anyway, what, what I'm saying, no, I, I think all of that's really helpful, and I think all of that kind of helps us understand. Oh, this is how we've gotten to where we've gotten. These are some of the reasons, mm-hmm. and I think it, that's a helpful way to begin to see what the problems of that are, and then why something like membership is so important. Yeah. I mean, it's very, church membership is a very countercultural thing. Mm-hmm. Um, belonging to any kind of quote-unquote institution right now is a very countercultural thing. Right. Uh, institutions are on the decline. <laughs> um, and, and part of that's because of our extreme individualism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so, it, it, anyway. Um I, I, I say all of that. N- none of it's to be like, oh, the church, uh, it, we think it's more important than all these other things because it's the thing we're involved in and that we do as pastors. Right. No, all of this is true if I quit being a pastor tomorrow. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if I go get employed by a parachurch uh, organization or anything, like like all of this is true. Yeah. And it's true because Jesus said it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus said that he will build his church. His church. He didn't put anything else in that blank. His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will not withstand it. will not overcome it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just, the, the church is a priority because it's Jesus' priority. It's, it's the bride of Christ. Yep. You know, from heaven he came and sought her, the old hymn says. Uh, Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her, for his people. This is the storyline of the entire Bible, that God is saving a people, a people for himself. Therefore, I think that membership as a part of that people is biblical, and it's a big deal. So... Now that we've said all of these things that weren't in the original recording of this episode at all, uh, let's let's get into those two things. Yeah, I thought that was all great. So, well, why is church membership biblical, or is it? Is it biblical? I'm actually going to do this one pretty quickly uh, with just a big fat yes um, <laughs> that it is biblical, and I would challenge you to go to uh, the place that Colin had us on Sunday with First Corinthians twelve. Yep. Uh, this is where we get the term member from. Now, you are the body of Christ, Paul says. Not He's not, in this context, he is not talking about the global church. He is looking at the church in Corinth, at this local body of Corinthian Christians. And he's saying, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you individually members of it. And then he goes on to clarify what he means by members. And what he's doing is it's a metaphorical word uh, for your members of the church, just like fingers and hands and toes and all of this are members of a body. This is why we use the word member. Uh, we, we don't use it to mean the same thing as like a member of a country club. Or like, here's an organization, you pay your dues, and you get these benefits as a part of you're a member of the club. That's uh, not the thing. No, you're a member of a body of a living, breathing, localized organism, a body of believers, and you belong to it. You're connected to it in a way that is vital, and you're needed and necessary. Yeah. Yes, it's true that we could talk about the global church as the body of Christ, but here's what's interesting. Scripture does that, and anytime it does that, guess what it has to say about the head of the body? The head is Christ. Very interestingly, you go to 1 Corinthians 12, and the head in 1 Corinthians 12 is just another member of the body. It's not drawn in connection with the head being Christ, and that's because he's not talking about the global church. He's talking about the localized church. And you can get that even in the, in, in, in the sense of what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about uh, how when one member of the body suffers, every member suffers with it. When one member rejoices, every member rejoices. But he's talking about what we do in the context of a local body of believers. Yeah, He's talking about spiritual gifts that we use to serve one another in a local body of believers. In 1 Corinthians 14, he's talking about ways those gifts should and should not be used when we gather to worship together as a local body of believers. Mm -hmm. So this is why we use this term member, and this is why 
it is a biblical concept. And then, of course, I'm going to get the, the pushback from somebody. Yeah, but, Jonathan, does that mean that they actually, like, you know, did membership? Were they having member classes? And uh, Show me the role, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. Were they taking, I need the historical document. Were they taking role, and you had to fill out member paperwork? Show me the software that they had. Uh, okay. All right. We're pushing things a little bit here. But <laughs> uh, one, okay. That's an argument from silence, which is always a bad argument. And the argument can be made just as legitimately in the other direction of, well, show me that they didn't have a role. Show me that they didn't. But that's not important. Like, that's not important. Even though it's a bad argument, it's not an important one. Because what I can show you from Scripture is that there was definitely a defined in and out Mm -hmm. of this membership. You see that in 1 Corinthians. Absolutely, yeah. where Paul tells them to confront one of their members who is openly sinning by sleeping with his stepmother, and he tells them if he's not repentant, put him out, outside of the community. Uh, Jesus defined what that process looks like in Matthew 18. Uh, instructions are explicitly given to elders in places like Hebrews and other uh, uh, scriptures where they are told that they are going to give an account for the flock for which they were responsible. They know what what the flock is that they're responsible for. Like, I can't give you the mechanism by which they kept track of who they, who was in and who was out, but clearly they knew. They knew who was a part of this local body and who was being disciplined and who was not a part of this local body. They knew who their members were. When he says, you individually, your members, are, they, they, they know what they're talking about. So the fact that we keep up with that in a more modern way of like, okay, we actually do paperwork and we do this kind of thing so that we have a list of members, like that doesn't delegitimize it at all. All that is is us trying to be responsible pastors Um because we want to know who it is that we are responsible. Who, who am I going to give an account to God for? Uh, and who has said openly that they commit themselves to be a part of this body of believers? Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a mutual commitment in church membership um, of the, the church to the individual and the individual to the church. Yep. Um, so, so, yeah, uh, there's it's, – it's a completely uh, – Biblical concept um, from everything that I can say. Oh, and as far as a, a membership class, um, mm. really stinking early on, as far back as we can tell yeah. um, in church history, they actually had more intense membership Way classes more intense. than we do. You have no idea. Oh, it was called catechesis. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and there's like some early accounts of people committing themselves to like a 40-day-long process of intense study that would culminate in the night before kind of Easter Sunday, if you will, in which they would stay up all night and there would be teaching and then they would wake up and they would be baptized, and then they would come into the assembly, and there was this massive celebration, and they would take communion for the first time. And you read some of the accounts, and it's so intense, and you can just clearly see that there's this major shift happening. Right. Um, I, I'm 
it's almost like becoming a Mason or something, or like joining a fraternity. That's like a bad comparison. this is a horrible comparison, but in some ways, like these organizations kind of get at the intensity of what a person is doing right. and the shift in identity and commitment better than sometimes we do as well, local churches. And the officialness of it. The officialness of it. Yeah. Yeah, and and even when you go to the uh, pages of the New Testament itself, uh, people coming into the uh, the church. There's an official process. You're baptized, you know, right. and this is the official affirmation uh, of the community uh, that you are with them and a believer in Jesus. And so, yeah. So yeah. So I I believe we see church membership from the 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 in the biblical text itself, and yes, it continues to develop throughout church history, uh, and that's not a bad thing. This goes to one of the things I said about the statement you made earlier where I was like, ah, oh, there's a lot of problems with that argument. <laughs> uh, if you want to argue, well, because we don't see it at all in the pages of the new Testament, therefore it's not uh, a legitimate part of our practice. So, so an easy example of this would be like the season of Lent. Mm-hmm. We don't see the season of Lent in the pages of the new Testament. So it's not to be a legitimate part of our, our practice at all. Uh, again, this could be its own, podcast episode that's right maybe we'll do it eventually but the short version that i would say is that one nobody is consistent with that absolutely nobody is 100 percent consistent with that idea and i would say that it uh makes an idol out of the early church that the early church itself was not the new testament itself proves itself to that The, the the people that have kind of that concept it's 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 what would be called like a restorationist type mindset or a restorationist type movement it would be uh, the early church uh, that we see in the book of Acts is the only ones that have ever gotten it right. We got to get back to being the early church. We got to do things exactly like we see there. Mm-hmm. When in reality, the the book of Acts itself is it pains to show us uh, how badly the early church itself is broken and needs yeah. Jesus and the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit and sanctification. Uh, you got most of your New Testament because of that reason, mm-hmm. um, because the the early church was broken. And needed more teaching, more instruction, and more help um, from. Uh, they needed the grace of the gospel. Yeah, continually. Um, I could so, be wrong too, but I feel like the majority of people that I encounter, it's rare that I encounter someone that genuinely, from studying the scriptures, has come to this position that membership is unbiblical. It's definitely out there, and I think right. people can make those arguments. But a lot of times, it does seem like there's something else going on. Yeah, I think this is your way of telling me I'm dwelling on this point too long. <laughs> I was trying to make a smooth transition. And, oh, no, you know. but no, but but you, you you are right. Most people that would make this, it's just an. Ex- I think it's an important point. I'm not saying right, right, right. But most people that would make this argument, it may not even be that they actually buy that argument. It's just more like I don't want to be a member of a church. This is an easy way to say. I'm going to throw this on. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, so obviously we believe that membership is biblical, but not only is it biblical, uh, we don't we believe it's a big deal. It is vitally important. And to talk about why, uh I'm going to actually read from that sermon I preached back in January of 2021, um just kind of a definition if you will, a little bit of a definition of Uh, church membership. I said, this is what church membership is. I personally confess that I belong to Jesus. The church communally affirms that I belong to Jesus, authorizing and equipping me to globally represent Jesus. So in other words, church membership 
has a personal, a communal, and a global aspect to it. You become a member of a church by you first personally repenting and actually trusting in Christ. Uh, it's basically you telling a uh, body of believers, hey, I, I belong with you. Y'all all believe in Jesus, and are, I, I've confessed Jesus. I'm a part of his people too. And that leads to the, the communal aspect of church membership. It's a local body looking at you, looking at your confession, your testimony, if you will, mm-hmm. and through baptism going, yeah, yeah, you do belong with us. And not only do you belong with us, but through baptism, they are identifying you to the world as a part of the global church. This is why I think the the order goes the way that it does that I was I was talking about earlier, that it's by being a part of the local thing that you are seen to truly be a part of the global thing. Um, it's the local church going, hey, they're with us, that says to the world, hey, these people don't just individually claim to be a believer in Jesus, but Jesus's people affirm that they're a part of us mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, this is really a source, a source of encouragement oh, to the individual. Absolutely. Well, and that, that gets into why church membership is a big deal and why it matters. So, so what you were just saying right there, it matters. We, we can talk about it mattering personally, communally, and globally. It matters personally. Um, covenant community, church community, uh, it's a means of grace to help you persevere because it does exactly what you were saying, Brad. It affirms your faith. It affirms your faith. Like, like this is one of the reasons we do membership at Shades. Uh, we don't do it to beef up our numbers, uh, but to beef up your faith. I mean, you, you through church membership, you have an entire community of Christians looking at you and going, you're family. You're you're with us, you know. So, so talk about like times when you're wrestling with your faith, times when you're wrestling with am I an authentic believer in Jesus? Like, go to your church, go to church members, talk with them. Go to your pastors, go to your elders, talk with them. Let them help you wrestle through those questions. But know this: just through church membership, you've got an entire body of Christians looking at you, going, "We believe you belong with us." Yeah. Even when you don't think you belong with us, we believe you belong with us. Yeah. We often don't see ourselves rightly. We often don't right. see our faith rightly or our walk rightly. And we can come to believe a lot of different things. And I think one of the beautiful things about living in a community where you're being vulnerable and you're being honest is that when you say to someone, oh, well, you don't know my thoughts or you don't know what I think, or you don't know what I've done this past week, then the other person can say, okay, tell me. Right. And then you speak that thing out loud to the other person, and the other person goes, okay, well, let's talk about that, but that doesn't make me think that you're not a believer in Jesus. Mm. And it's that outside voice that comes to you that reassures you and comforts you. Right. And that can only come from another. Right. And, and this is not theory. Like, as pastors, we have these conversations. See it all the time. With people. And I have watched church membership bring people to tears. When they realize, like, like they're sitting there going, "I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I'm actually a part of Jesus' people, or if I, if I can call myself that." And when they realize, "Hey, church membership is let us call you that," mm-hmm. like, like I've, I've seen that, that gospel, yeah, like just break through, yeah, um, and and help people realize the grace of God 
in a way they hadn't seen or felt it or experienced it before. Yeah. So, so yeah, membership, membership matters personally because it it affirms your faith by having an entire community call you family. And and, and on that note, yeah. I do want to say this really quickly. Like, am I saying if you're not a member of Shades, then you're not family? No. I'm saying that if you're not a member, then you haven't let us affirm you as family. Mm. Like, if you're a true believer in Jesus, whether or not you've signed on the dotted line of church membership, of course you're actually family with the rest of the family of God. But you haven't let us call you that and affirm that for you. And that's why it matters personally. You were going to say something before we went to the next one. Or, or did I make you lose it? <laughs> no, I forgot. It was yeah. brilliant. It was going to be yes. the most brilliant thing said. I mean, no, just to back that up, I mean, church membership is an opportunity to commit to one another. And so I think about instances where, since being at Shades, where there have been individuals who aren't members, maybe they're just a part of the community, and they come and they have various issues that they want us as pastors or elders or as a church community to come alongside and help them with. And because they're not members, we can't look to them to the same way that we would look to people who have committed as members and to offer support. So for instance, if there's a marital issue, if, if both partners are members, we can look at them and say, hey, you've committed yourself to these practices. You've, you've signed on the dotted line in covenant membership that the pastors are allowed to speak in to your life and to your walk with Jesus. It gives us an opportunity to do so. But if someone's not a member, then in some ways it removes what the community is able to do in entering in and offering support or, if needed, consequences to right. an individual. And this actually gets to the very next thing uh, that we were going to talk about. So membership mattering communally. Um, membership matters communally because we don't just need the church to affirm us. We also need the church to warn us. Mm-hmm. And membership is the mechanism for that. Like through membership, the church affirms the authenticity of our faith, but it also warns us when it can no longer confirm the authenticity of our faith. Yep, it is majorly grates against uh, our our culture. You know, we what, what you were just describing, uh, Brad, is what's traditionally been called church discipline, mm-hmm. and membership is the context in which that happens. So, if for instance, like a marital issue, like you were just talking about, let's say that. Uh, it's very obviously one spouse is uh, sinning against yeah. the other uh, unrepentantly. Let's say the husband is sleeping around okay. on the wife right, right, right. and yeah. doesn't think there's an issue with it. Right. He's completely unrepentant. And he's a member at Shades Valley. Right. Well, he'll be taken through a process of church discipline, and if he remains unrepentant at the end of the day, he'll be excommunicated, which everybody thinks of that as like a Roman Catholic word. Uh, but it, li- <laughs> it literally just means like your membership is is revoked. And, and what yeah. that is, why that's serious, is that's not us saying to him or to anybody else, you're not a Christian. It's us saying, we can't confirm that you're a Christian. Ba- based on all the evidence you're showing yeah. in your life and what the scriptures tell us to do as a church, we can't confirm that you are an authentic believer in Jesus because you're unrepentant, even when confronted by the church and by church leadership. And and that's meant to be a loving action that wakes up 
yeah. that shakes and wakes up an unrepentant believer in Jesus. Because every bit as much as having a whole body of believers affirm your faith is meant to beef it up, having a whole body of believers say, we can't confirm your faith should make you go, what? Yeah, totally. What's going on? And it, it's meant to, to shake and to wake up that I believe this is what Paul talks about in First yep. Corinthians five. One hundred percent. With that that member, he says, put him outside of the body. He, he says it's ultimately aimed at that that man's salvation. Yep. And this is also a means for us to come alongside the woman in that situation and offer support, mm. and say that you will not be alone. That if your husband leaves you, and he leaves this community, that we will not leave you. That we will come alongside you and offer support because we have committed ourselves to you, not because we're blood relatives. But because um, spirit is thicker than blood, and we're committed members in the family of God. And so it's a means of encouragement coming alongside as well. Yeah, and so... And I feel that situation really helps give some gravitas to what we're talking about. Right, You know. right, sure, sure, yeah. And, and, and my hope and prayer uh, is that if you... Uh, one, if you're not a member of Shades and you're listening to this and you attend Shades, that this will encourage you to enter into uh, membership. But if you are a member of Shades, I pray that this not only highlights the importance, but you, you'll embrace the importance of that. In other words, what I mean, when you find yourself in these types of situations, invite the body into them mm-hmm. um, and, and let us come alongside you. And I, I've walked through some difficult situations before, Brad, where people, they'll sign on the dotted line of membership, um, but at the end of the day, when those types of situations arise, like they refuse to allow the the church to come alongside them, mm-hmm. to offer that support, to, um, and, and that's heartbreaking and hard yeah. uh, as well. Yeah, but yeah, membership matters. It matters personally, uh, it matters communally, and it matters globally. Uh, it matters globally because it matters for your witness. And this this gets back to uh, the provocative statement I made uh, in that sermon where I said that we can only be salt and light as a we, which which first of all is what the text is saying. Mm-hmm. Jesus says you plural are the salt of the earth. You, plural, are the light of the world. And he's talking about it in the context of us being a new called out community. Yeah. But I think once again, this grates against American individualism, where we're only able to conceive of our mission or evangelism on individual terms. So it's you go out there and do something great for Jesus. Right, right, right. And then it's the individual testimony of doing that. And so because we so see the world through those lenses that we can't fathom a statement like the one that you're making. Right, right. I think it connects. Well, and here's the deal. Like when I say uh, we can only be salt and light as a we, here's here's why that is. Um, In a world in which people increasingly only want to associate with those who are just like them, like in that world, how are we going to bear witness to the barrier-breaking love of Christ unless that love breaks through barriers in our own life. How are you going to show the world that Jesus unites people of every race and social class to himself, unless being united with Jesus also unites you with his people? Like, how are you going to show the world that Christ gives grace and forgiveness to those 
that are deemed the hardest to love unless you give grace and forgiveness forgiveness to those who are hard to love. In other words, we can't bear witness to the Christ who loved the church and gave himself up for her if we do not likewise love his broken bride. Like, you can't say, hey, I believe in a Jesus that came and died for the church, but I hate the church, or I'm not a part of that thing, or whatever. Like, like those things contradict each other. Mm Mm-hmm. We can only bear witness to the gospel if the gospel is playing out, or we can only credibly bear witness to the gospel. Yep. If if the gospel is playing out in our lives and having a real effect, this is why membership matters globally. It matters for your witness. It matters for you to be able to credibly say, "Jesus is saving a people for Himself." And this is what it looks like, and I'm a part of that people. So mm-hmm. membership matters. It's a big deal, and it's biblical. And I want to end on one thing real quick right here, because obviously for a long time now we've been harping on church membership mattering a lot. Um, but the last sermon that I preached here uh, at Shades was about false uh, prophets, preachers, teachers, who are like wolves in sheep's clothing, um, and they feast upon the flock. Uh, and so that naturally led us to talk in the context of that sermon about church hurt, church abuse, especially coming from leadership, which there is no lack of at any point in church history, but is particularly on uh, in our face with how I- connected we are now. We're, we're aware of any church hurt, abuse, any leader, anybody within the church who is abusive and all of these kinds of things. And even if you haven't experienced um, like uh, a, a, a abuse for which legal action could be taken, uh, all of us, if you spent time in a church, period, all of us have stories of church hurt. Stories of us being hurt by other members, being hurt by leaders and the decisions that they've made, all to varying degrees of, uh, of seriousness and depth and, and all of these kinds of things. Um, I, I grew up as a pastor's kid. I, uh, I've been in the belly of the beast since uh, as far back as I can remember. I got my own stories of church hurt. Brad, I'm sure you have yours. We could we could do podcast after podcast or podcast uh, of everybody talking about ways in which they've been let down or disappointed. Um, naturally, that's going to happen because the church is made up of flawed human beings, um, and we're when you put a bunch of sinners together, even sinners that are in the process of being redeemed, we're going to hurt each other, you know. Um, and so, I say all of that to say that for some of you listening. You may be like, okay, Jonathan, I see what you're saying about church membership being biblical and about it being important, but it's hard for me, specifically because of the ways I've been hurt and the ways that I have been wounded. Um, I want to speak some gospel good news to you. Uh, you have an ultimate great shepherd, good shepherd, who is not ultimately any pastor or any individual church, it's it's Jesus Christ himself who loves you, who cares for you, who is ultimately aimed at your full healing. Um, and, 
and who is gentle with his sheep. And and I, I want to say, like, I get based upon uh, abuse, hurt, trauma, I fully get uh, that entering back into church community is very hard and very difficult for some. Our words today are not aimed at you as a harsh rebuke. Uh, the, the words today, I hope, are primarily aimed at those who just nonchalantly don't see membership as a big deal or who uh, actively try to reject it as a biblical idea. All right. If you've experienced church hurt and that causes your hesitancy to enter back into community, um, it it's a different process for you. I'm not saying to you, we're not saying suck it up, get over it, get back in there. Uh, there healing's going to be a process. It's it's going to be a process, and you have a patient shepherd who loves you dearly. And if you have experienced that and you need help in the healing process, please feel free to reach out to us. Now, I realize we are pastors, um, so we are a part of the very thing that has caused your hurt. Uh, reach out to a counselor. Uh, we can put you in touch with a whole host of counseling resources, people who, uh, and other organizations who can, this is where a parachurch organization can be very helpful, uh, like a counseling organization. Uh, to come alongside and to help you work through um, those difficulties and those those hurts. But I just I wanted to put that here at the end. Um, maybe I should have put it at the beginning. Uh, but but just as a word to uh, anyone that's experienced th- like like your struggles with being a member of a church are because of those reasons. I, w- I wanted you to be able to hear all of this in the proper context. Yeah, totally. No, I couldn't agree more. And be encouraged that you're not alone. There are lots of members at Shades that have deep wounds, whether that's because they were a pastor's kid, maybe they worked at a church and had a horrific experience. As we've talked about before, there are right and godly reasons to leave a church. There are toxic people in the church. There are abusive people in the church. And so many of you have real wounds and I think my encouragement would be that the way we experience healing is not by ignoring our wounds, but by addressing them and that it's actually sitting down, whether that is a counselor, whether that's a friend, whether that's another Christian that you know has been through a similar experience and talking about that and processing that. I mean, talk about the anger that you have. You're still carrying that, whether it's towards a pastor, whether it's towards an institution, I mean, when you walk into Shades Valley on Sunday, your body may be giving you signals, not safe, not safe. I mean, that might be a, a real reality, right? Um, and so it, you may not be able to talk to a pastor, but like Jonathan said, find a place where you can talk about that and can process that. Because I think the good news is that others will tell you that not all churches are the same, and that your previous experience in church does not have to be a pronouncement upon your future experience mm-hmm. in, in, in every church. Yeah. So, yeah, so glad you brought that up, Jonathan. I think that's such an, an important word to, to end on. Well, we thank you for joining us for this uh, episode of Shades Midweek. If you have any questions uh, about 
any of the things we talked through with church membership or about anything else you'd like for us to do an episode on, uh, you can feel free to email us midweek at shadesvalley.org. Because here at Shades Midweek, you're a part of the conversation.